The media do some serious journalisming. Kirsten Gillibrand drops out of the presidential race, but says she's not going to, but says she will, so she can take all the positions. And AOC also announces that young people are incredibly historically knowledgeable. Bet you didn't know that. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So remember that time, like 48 hours ago, when the entire media were up in arms because President Trump keeps saying that they're fake news and the right won't trust them. And why won't you trust us? We are just trying to do our jobs. You're attacking the free press. And then they just say stuff that's not true. And it gets real awkward. Within the last 36 hours, Lawrence O'Donnell over at MSNBC stated on Rachel Maddow's show that he had an insider over at Deutsche Bank. And this insider over at Deutsche Bank had insidery information. And that insidery information was that President Trump had Russian co-signers. And this trended on Twitter, Russian co-signers. President Trump was a traitor. He was going to prison. He had lied. He had Russian co-signers on all of his loans. And Lawrence O'Donnell was kind of sitting there just allowing this narrative to be spun out. Well, late yesterday, he announced, whoopsie, turns out, not so much. So he tweeted out, last night, I made an error in judgment by reporting an item about the president's finances that didn't go through our rigorous verification and standards process. I shouldn't have reported it. I was wrong to discuss it on the air. I will address the issue on my show tonight. Okay, well, thanks for the walk back. I think that that is appropriate from Lawrence O'Donnell. Here is Lawrence O'Donnell trying to walk this thing back, which again, as I said yesterday, is the appropriate thing for him to do. I'm just going to point out that a bevy of blue check marks ran with the story because they wanted it to be true. Here's Lawrence O'Donnell walking this thing back after just kind of spilling it out on Rachel Maddow. Last night on this show, I discussed information that wasn't ready for reporting. I repeated statements. A single source told me about the president's finances and loan documents with Deutsche Bank. I should not have said it on air or posted it on Twitter. I was wrong to do so. This afternoon, attorneys for the president sent us a letter asserting the story is false. They also demanded a retraction. Tonight, we are retracting the story. We don't know whether the information is inaccurate. But the fact is, we do know it wasn't ready for broadcast. And for that, I apologize. Okay, so basically what he's saying there is that it sounds like MSNBC and Lawrence O'Donnell backed off of this only because the Trump administration sent a letter to MSNBC saying, if you guys keep pushing this stuff, we're going to sue your pants off. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to back off of that. Maybe this sort of thing is contributing to the endemic mistrust that people have of the media. Other things that contribute to the endemic mistrust people have of the media is the constant rewriting of history. So CNN yesterday decided that they were going to do, I think, the fourth straight anniversary edition of reminiscing about Barack Obama's tan suit. So there's this one time years ago when Barack Obama wore a really ugly suit to a press conference. It's a really ugly kind of Sunday church tan suit that your grandfather might wear. And people made fun of him for it. And it wasn't serious. People weren't turning this into the biggest issue in the world. I remember I mocked it on Twitter because everybody was mocking it on Twitter. When the president wears a really ugly suit, then that is rich for Twitter mockery. Well, the media have now gone back and done this revisionist history where this was an actual critique by the right of Barack Obama, that the right was actually angry about Barack Obama's tan suit and that that was the only scandal that Obama ever had was that he wore a tan suit, which of course is eminently untrue. Barack Obama's administration had scandals ranging from Fast and Furious to the IRS scandal in which top members of the IRS were shutting down anybody on the right who is attempting to apply for 501c3 status. There were scandals inside Kathleen Sebelius's HHS and how the Obamacare website was constructed. There were scandals inside the CIA. There were scandals inside the FBI. There, There were scandals over and over and over 
inside the Obama administration. I wrote an entire book on many of those scandals called The People versus Barack Obama. But according to the media, who are now rewriting history, the only scandal was that Barack Obama once wore a tan suit. And then they're like, well, you guys should trust us when we cover scandals. I mean, we know scandals after all. We know that Barack Obama didn't have any. Here's Chris Cuomo, the dumber of the Cuomo brothers. Can I call him Fredo still? Or is that like an, has that been redefined into an actual racial slur? Am I allowed to call him Fredo? You know what, screw it. He's like Fredo because Fredo is not an Italian slur. It's about being the dumb younger brother of a more powerful older brother, which kind of fits a little bit. Here's Chris Cuomo being a fool. Five years ago, the president of the United States shocked the world. The fashionistas on Fox, not quite state TV back then. They were all over it. Other presidents had worn uh, tan suits, by the way. My uh, buddy, Reagan, uh, my, Reagan one of my did. producers here, Ethan, uh, Reagan, uh, uh, Clinton, Eisenhower. I mean, look, it's not a very common thing. I get it. Men tend to wear the gray or the blue because we're very limited in our understanding suit. of what power can be conveyed as. Uh, but he wasn't the first. But boy, what a difference five years makes. CNN, the most trusted name in news. I'm so glad that Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon are there to provide us exactly the commentary we need, reminiscing five years later about Barack Obama's tan suit because people made fun of it on Twitter and in the media at the time. And it's this sort of journalisming that really makes people so trusting in the media. It really makes us believe that these are journalistic firefighters who deserve our full-throated support on every possible occasion. But wait, there's more. We'll get to it in just one second. First, I'll be real with you. I don't go to stores anymore. It's very rare that I go to stores. And that's not just because people spot me in stores and annoy me. It is also because when I go to a store, it's very time consuming. I have to schlep the kids in the car. I have to get out there. My son tries to pull off the thing, all the things off the shelf. It turns into a whole debacle. Instead, I do virtually all of my shopping online. And so does my wife. Nine times out of 10, we are shopping online, not only because it is more convenient, but also because it happens to be less expensive. Well, think of a way to save money online and you're saving me a ton of money. This is where honey comes in. Honey is a free browser extension that saves you money everywhere every time you shop online. Honey finds coupon codes and other discounts across the web and applies them automatically because nine times out of 10, you're probably overpaying. Honey saves me money while I shop online. Just think about how much money you could be saving if you used Honey. I probably saved literally hundreds of dollars by using Honey because we shop all the time. It works on sites like Amazon. It works on all the shopping sites, basically. Over 10 million people are already saving with Honey. Listen, there's really no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use. It installs on your computer in just two clicks. It'll save you money so you can treat yourself to something nice. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Ben. That's joinhoney.com slash Ben. There is literally no reason not to use it. Joinhoney.com slash Ben and start saving yourself some money. Go check it out right now. So as I say, you know, the, the mainstream media who are going to be Trump's target in the 2020 election, they are covering themselves in glory each and every day. And this is really good for Trump because here's the thing. Trump in 2016 ran against a two-headed monster. He ran against Hillary Clinton and the media who had created her. Because let's be frank about Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton had no qualifications to be in the Senate of the United States in New York other than her husband. And then based on that, she had no qualifications to be Secretary of State other than she had traveled on a plane when she was First Lady. And then she had no qualifications to be running for president, but she was built up by the media since 1992 when she was declared to be the co-president with her husband, so the media created Hillary Clinton, and then they proceeded to defend Hillary Clinton at every turn. They proceeded to dig up dirt on Mitt Romney when he was running against Barack Obama that would not pass the smell test. I mean, the dumbest possible stuff. Their, their credibility had been blown up for years. 
Donald Trump with the inerrant, the inerrant instinct, the inerring instinct of a predator. I mean, that's what Donald Trump is. He is a political predator and he's a hawk on high searching for squirrels to swoop down upon. And the media were a big, fat, juicy squirrel and Trump swooped down right on them. So he swooped down on Hillary because Hillary, too, had never really been dinged by the media or by or by the general public other than people who were already solidly on the right. Trump spotted the vulnerability. He went after it. Well, Come 2020, it's not clear who the Democrat nominee is going to be yet, but it is quite clear that the media are all in for the Democrat nominee, as they were in 2012, as they were in 2008, as they were in 2016, but will be even more so in 2020, and they are more overt about it. So the best thing they could do would be to hide it. What makes the media game damaging is when people actually believe they're objective, but they're not objective. When, when people believe that you are something that you are not, when you are deceived by a media that claims that it is objective, just telling the truth to everybody, it's a lot easier to swing people's minds. Okay, but when that is exposed, then it becomes a lot harder for people to take you seriously. And Donald Trump has a target-rich environment when it comes to the media. CNN is on that list, obviously. CNN is, is always at the top of that list. The reason CNN's at the top of the list is because MSNBC basically overtly claims that it is a left-wing source of news, because it is. CNN tries to pretend that it plays it down the middle, but not even close. And this stretches from their host to their guests. It is amazing what their guests are allowed to get away with on on CNN. Now, again, I think CNN should have on whoever it wants. I'm not calling for anybody to lose their job. All I'm saying is that if some of these guests appeared on Fox News and said parallel things about Democrats, there would be boycotts against Fox News. Take, for example, April Ryan. So they're talking about this dumb story that President Trump wanted to nuke hurricanes, which, by the way, I don't even care whether it does anything. It just sounds cool. I mean, what if there are sharks in the hurricanes? What if it's a sharknado? What then, guys? Have you thought about that? Just the idea, anytime you're talking about nuking a random thing that's not really going to hurt anybody, I'll admit, the 13-year-old boy in me is kind of for it. In any case, it's a dumb story. CNN decided to make it a big story, and then they brought on April Ryan, who is supposedly a reporter, right? I mean, she actually is a White House correspondent for, I'm, I'm trying to remember, some radio news network. And they have her on on CNN to discuss Trump making some reference to nuking hurricanes. And you know exactly how this conversation went, right, inside the White House. The conversation went, somebody said to President Trump, you know, Mr. President, we're going to have to deal with the fallout from hurricanes because they are quite powerful. And there are some stories that they are, get, they are doing more damage on a per capita basis than they have in the past. And Trump's like, what if you just nuke him? I read online somewhere that if you nuke a hurricane, it stops the hurricane. And somebody's like, well, we'll look into that, sir. But also we should probably prepare FEMA. He's like, okay, sounds good. And that was the entire conversation probably. But that's not how CNN played it. And that's not how April Ryan played it. Desperate in the search for evidence of President Trump being a bigot, April Ryan suggested on CNN that President Trump wants to nuke hurricanes because the hurricanes are racially diverse. I don't even understand how this works. Here she is explaining, sort of. We're tongue-in-cheeking this, but this is the president of the United States saying something about that. And he brought in Africa as Angela. It was we were talking during break. He's called Africa a whole nation. Um, It's actually a country, some of the countries. countries. Africa is a continent. And what part of Africa? Are you talking about sub-Saharan Africa where there are mostly black people? This is just crazy. There is a ripple effect that could happen for land, sea, for people if he did something like this. For this man to think this, this is the leader of the free world. So he's going to nuke the hurricanes to hurt black people? Do black people live in the hurricanes? What, what's what's going Like, what? No. But apparently... Solid commentary. I mean, that, that is some serious journalism happening over at CNN. 
Uh, well done, everyone. It's not that you're undercutting your own credibility. It's that Trump's mean to you. I'm sure that's why people are taking you less seriously than they ever have in the past. Now, conversely, this is kind of hilarious. So President Trump has been going after Fox News lately. President Trump saw Fox News as his own personal domain. And he saw it as the place that was always going to echo his messages, mainly because there are some shows on Fox News that largely echo his messages. I mean, let's just be frank about this. Right? There are certain primetime shows on Fox News. Not all of them. I think that there have been substantial differentiations from Trumpian policy, serious criticisms of Trumpian policy from people like Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson. But Sean Hannity, for example, very largely mirrors what President Trump says, which makes sense. I mean, he's close friends with President Trump. He basically advises President Trump informally. That's fine. That's that's all fine and good. But the news anchors on Fox News have always been pretty objective. I'm talking about Chris Wallace. I'm talking about Brett Baer. Shep Smith is pretty anti-Trump. Okay, so Trump, though, thinks that the entirety of Fox News ought to be praising him fulsomely all the time. So Trump, just yesterday, he decided to go on a Twitter rampage against Fox News. And he tweeted out, just watch Fox News heavily promoting the Democrats through their DNC communications director, spewing out whatever she wanted with zero pushback by anchor Sandra Smith. Terrible, considering Fox couldn't even land a debate. The Dems give them nothing. At CNN and MSNBC are all in for the open butter socialists or beyond. Fox gives... Fox hires give Hillary the questions Donna Brazile, Juan Williams, and low ratings Shep Smith. Hopeless and clueless. All caps. They should go all the way to the left, and I will still find a way to win. That's what I do. Win. Too bad! Exclamation point. <laughs> Very solid stuff there from the president going after Fox News. Okay, so that's some pretty good evidence that Fox News says stuff on a fair occasion of times that does not actually accord with what President Trump wants them to say, Right. Well, this has prompted Brian Stelter at CNN doing, again, more serious journalisming over at CNN. Trump criticizing Fox News for having on Donna Brazile and the DNC communications director to talk about Trump. That prompted Brian Stelter to say that this is proof that Fox News is actually a Trumpian domain. So in other words, when Trump rips Fox News, that's because Fox News is his private domain. Wow, the journalisming. There's a lot going on in Brian Stelter's head right now. Here's Brian Stelter on CNN doing this routine. I think with his re-election uh, campaign on his mind, he's thinking about Fox and trying to keep the network in line. He wants to quiet the journalists on the network. He doesn't want to see Democrats interviewed on the network. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to see that. He wants to see his friends and his fans, uh, the Janine Pirro's of the world, constantly. And he does promote them on a daily basis, but he does also continue to, to target Fox. And this is his most blatant admission yet, that he views Fox as an organ of the White House. Okay, well, he may view Fox as an organ of the White House, but they're not. You know what he views CNN as? an organ against the White House. And that he's exactly corrected, right? That's absolutely true. Trump tweeted this out yesterday and it's exactly right. He tweeted out, there's never been a time in the history of our country the media was so fraudulent, fake, or corrupt. Fact check true. He said, when the age of Trump is looked back on many years from now, I only hope a big part of my legacy will be the exposing of massive dishonesty in the fake news. So he's running his 2020 campaign against members of the media. And frankly, well-deserved. First of all, I really look forward to songs about the age of Trump. I think that's just going to be amazing. But there, there has to be a book called The Age of Trump that comes out pretty soon. It's like The Age of Aquarius, except all weird and with awesome hair. Okay, but in any, case, in any case, Trump's ripping on the media is a fruitful line of attack for him. And the media are falling over themselves each and every day. So there are a couple of ways they do this. One is they proclaim that they are objective when they are, in fact, not objective. And they report things that they wouldn't report about any other president. So... For example, the Washington Post ran a story today talking about President Trump 
privately assuring aides that he would pardon them of any potential illegality as the administration rushes to build his vaunted border wall. Right, Democrats jumping all Now, obviously, that would be very bad. You don't want the president of the United States saying to people, if you break the law, I'm going to pardon you. That's bad. That's obstruction of justice. That, that's, actual, that's actual pushing people to break the law. That's bad. There's not a lot of evidence this actually happened. In fact, there's a fair bit of evidence the other way. Back in April, people tried to make the same report about Kevin McAleenan. The New York Times reported that Trump had pushed Kevin McAleenan to take action on immigration and then said that he would pardon him. And then it turns out that Kevin McAleenan and the, and the Department of Homeland Security put out a statement saying, quote, at no time has the president indicated, asked, directed, or pressured the acting secretary to do anything illegal, nor would the acting secretary take actions that are not in accordance with our responsibility to enforce the law. So if they actually uncover evidence that this happened and not just anonymous sources saying things, that would be helpful. But that's not exactly what is going on here. Instead, the media just rushed to report anything about Trump. They would never have reported about Barack Obama absent some sort of corroborating sources. It just wouldn't have happened. In a second, we'll get to the second aspect of media coverage that is truly ridiculous. And that is the media's con uh, contention that they are not actually tailoring their narratives. So there's two types of bias. There is the bias in coverage, meaning they cover a story, but they cover it from an angle. And then they pretend they're not covering it from an angle. And then there is selection bias. There is the bias of covering only certain types of stories because you're attempting to push a narrative. And that is becoming clearer and clearer every single day in the mainstream media. I mean, it really is incredible. I'll show you the proof of it in just one second. First, you know, when you are going out to a nice business meeting and somebody asks you for your card and you reach in your pocket and you only have this cheap thing that you got from Kinko's like 10 years ago and it's outdated and it's in Helvetica font and it's, it just, it looks like garbage. People look at your card and they do make a judgment about the quality of your business based at least in part on that business card. Basically, it's like the cover of a book. People make judgments about that sort of thing. This is why you now have an opportunity to own the now. How? Well, for just 10 bucks, Vistaprint gives you 500 personalized cards with exactly the look that you want. They will personalize it just for you. It's a low price to make a lasting impression. Because you can choose the colors, fonts, designs, and images, well, you can create something as unique and compelling as your business. You can feel good also, by the way, knowing that Vistaprint uses carefully selected inks, responsibly sourced paper stocks. So if you happen to care about the environment, that's a cool thing. Your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed or your money back. They will make it right. People hand me business cards all the time and only a select few make it into the Rolodex. Sometimes that has to do with the quality of the business card, not just the person handing you the business card. Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation. That is why our listeners get 500 high-quality custom business cards starting at $9.99. Just go to vistaprint.com slash Shapiro. Again, that's vistaprint.com slash Shapiro to get 500 custom business cards and own the now. The offer is valid through September 8th. Vistaprint.com slash Shapiro. Vistaprint.com slash Shapiro for that special deal. Okay, so as I say, there's two types of bias. There is bias in how you cover an actual factual story. And then there is bias in the selection of the stories that you choose to cover. So as a particularly good example of this today, on the front page of the website of the Washington Post, there is a big picture of, of freed slaves. Okay, and it says, it is essential to teach about African Americans and their resistance to slavery. And it's all these quotes from various journalists. Most enslaved people were enslaved, were, were fighting back. You know, it's these various quotes that are rotating in order, right? And it says, perspectives, the dawn of American slavery, what schools aren't teaching about slavery, according to historians. Academics discuss the gaps in our common knowledge, including the separation of families, the resistance by enslaved peoples, and the widespread enslavement of Native Americans. And it says, for students, lessons about a toxic past open a window to the present 
quiz, test your knowledge of slavery in America. Now, I am more than fine with the media doing historical coverage. Although, frankly, we have history magazines and books for this. But I really don't have much of a problem with the media doing sort of these deep historical dives on issues. It's really not what newspapers are there to do because newspapers are there to cover the news as the, as the word newspaper would suggest. But if they want to broaden people's understandings about historical events, I don't really see the, the giant problem with that. This does, however, point out that when it comes to crafting narrative by newspapers, there is no doubt this is what's going on. Because again, this isn't the news, right? It's been approximately 154 years since slavery ended in the United States. Is there anything that cropped up in, the, say, the last three weeks that made slavery the hot button, not just for the Washington Post, but for the New York Times? Is there anything that cropped up where people are like, you know what? Breaking news, slavery was bad. Breaking news, got to talk about slavery and all of its evils. Again, I have no problem talking about slavery and all of its evils. That's fine. I mean, I, I kind of like learning about the history. I, I think the history is deeply important. I'm very much looking forward to the Harriet Tubman film that, that looks really good, really good, actually. I think I made it a thing I like, the preview. In any case, the question is not that. The question is not whether it's okay to, of course it's okay to cover this stuff, just like it would be fine to cover the Holocaust or, or Japanese internment or anything bad in human history or anything good in human history. You can do that. I don't know why it's in a newspaper, but sure, you could do it. The reason that it's in a newspaper, though, is the question. So why is it that the Washington Post is suddenly running all these pieces on slavery? And the answer is because the New York Times is running all these pieces on slavery. So why is the New York Times running all these pieces on slavery? And the answer is because as Dean Baquette basically explained to his own staff in a leaked transcript, because they are moving toward the Trump racism narrative, because they are trying to recast the 2020 election in terms of understanding American history as a narrative of racial injustice coming to its apex in the presidency of Donald Trump, who is, in fact, a deep and abiding racist. That is the narrative that the New York Times is attempting to push. And so they're running the 1619 Project, because only now is it important, apparently, that we learn about slavery. Not important when W was president or Clinton was president. Not, not important when Barack Obama was president. Like, it would have made a lot more sense, by the way, to run the 1619 Project when Barack Obama was president to show the progress that America has undergone since, you know, 1619. But again, they're coming about it right now because the idea is that the vestiges of slavery are still deeply embedded in our society. And failure to understand that is what brought you this vicious, brutal, vulgar, racist Donald Trump. That's the idea. And Dean Baquette basically spilled that out openly. We talked about this a little bit last week. And so with that as backdrop, The New York Times runs the 1619 Project, which, as I said, has a couple of good essays and many bad essays that are badly researched. The Washington Post then counters that by running its own series on slavery. Now, normally, when you have competing publications, right? I run a conservative publication, Daily Wire. Daily Wire runs many of the same factual stories as other publications on the right. If you look at the crossover in the type of story that tends to get covered between, say, Breitbart and Daily Caller and Daily Wire, probably the crossover, Washington Examiner, the crossover is probably pretty high, right? Because there's a certain core of stories that get covered on the right that don't tend to get covered as much on the left. We cover it in a different way than all those other websites. But when it comes to our competition, we cover those stories because we know who our audience is. But we are overtly partisan, right? We're an overtly conservative website. The New York Times and Washington Post are not supposed to be overtly left. They're not supposed to be catering to one particular political side of the aisle. And yet it is fairly obvious that is exactly what is going on, right? The Washington Post decided that it was going to run its own version of the 1619 Project specifically to go after liberal-minded readers in major urban areas. That is their goal. Again, they can do it. It's a free country. But don't pretend that your selection bias in stories, again, covering slavery 154 years after it's over, it's a weird editorial choice, 
if you are not making a market-based decision to cater to people who want to buy into the Trump racism narrative. That's what's going on here. I urge everybody to read books about the history of slavery. Go read Frederick Douglass. Really, go read. All, uh, go read the history of slavery. Go read about all this stuff. But the fact that these newspapers are now competing to cover it leading up to the 2020 election suggests that something else is going on here, and that is a coordinated effort to drive a narrative prior to the 2020 election. And there's a long history of folks in the mainstream media doing this. In 2012, you remember that George Stephanopoulos set up an entire media wave, a coordinated media hit on Mitt Romney in the middle of one of the debates. George Stephanopoulos, who is, the fact that he is a news anchor for, for, for ABC is insane. The guy was literally the chief of staff for Hillary Clinton. It's, it's nuts. Okay, it's the equivalent of making Carl Rove your objective news editor at Fox News. It's pretty crazy. Okay, but George Stephanopoulos, in the middle of a debate with Mitt Romney, asked Mitt Romney whether he thought that contraception should be outlawed or if it was legal for a state to outlaw contraception. In other words, whether Griswold versus Connecticut was rightly decided, whether there's a constitutional right to contraception. Now, the proper answer to that, of course, is that no, there is no constitutional right to contraception. Also, states should not pass laws barring the sale of contraception because that's, that's dumb law. There's lots of stuff that is legal, but also stupid. Right. It's, it, there's there's plenty of, of laws that are on the books that are not unconstitutional, but are incredibly stupid. In fact, I'd say most laws that are on the books are not unconstitutional, but are also incredibly stupid. But Romney answered the question by basically saying, what are you even talking about, George Stephanopoulos? And this launched the war on women. Right. The next day, there was this vast wave of coverage about how Republicans wanted to take away contraceptive care, how they wanted to harm women, how they were fighting a war on women, in fact. So the, the coordination of the media is the other thing that Trump is touching upon. And it is perfectly obvious that members of the media engage in this. So, yes, the mainstream media are experiencing a crisis of credibility. And they certainly should. They certainly should. It is well-deserved on every possible level. Okay, in one second, we're going to jump into the latest on the 2020 race. First, there are just a lot of different types of car on the road. I mean, let's be honest about this. You drive around, lots of cars. And then you think to yourself, okay, let's say that one of those cars broke down. Let's say my car broke down. Could I just go to the local auto parts store and they'd have exactly the part I need? Is that likely? The answer is no, it's not really likely. That's why you need to go to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is super easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and filter by brand, specification, and price. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. They've got amazing selection, they've got reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. So why don't you internet? Go to rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, that's rockauto.com. Go check them out right now. Okay, so the 2020 race among the Democrats, it is beginning to winnow out. So Kirsten Gillibrand, we bid a fond farewell to Kirsten Gillibrand. Do we have her theme song, Kirsten Gillibrand? A final playing of Kirsten Gillibrand's theme song. No one knows what she meant. It was her. It was the, the chief problem with her. No one knew where she stood on any particular issue. She never picked up any level of support. It turns out the American public just wanted the ranch dressing. That's all they wanted. There's that famous video of her inside. For those who missed it, there's a famous video of her inside some sort of bar 
where she's trying to speak and some lady's trying to get around her and she looks down and says, do you need anything? The lady's like, I'm just looking for some ranch. I'm just looking for some ranch. <laughs> Turns out all of America was just looking for some ranch. Kirsten Gillibrand is out. She announces that she's out and then she announces that she's in just to cover all of her bases. Hey everyone, I wanted you to hear it from me first that after more than eight incredible months, I'm ending my presidential campaign. I know this isn't the result we wanted. We wanted to win this race. But it's important to know when it's not your time and to know how you can best serve your community and country. Our work is not done. And we have a clear mission in front of us. We have to defeat President Trump, flip the Senate, and elect women up and down the ballot. I can't wait to keep speaking out, marching, and fighting with you. Together, we will make people's lives better, no matter who you are where you live or who you love. And I know that together we will win this fight. Well, I mean, after hearing that inspirational dropping out message, <laughs> I've decided on a, on a career change, actually, I'm going to form a band with producers Mike and, and Nick. And our band is simply going to play generic background music for those videos because you can make a fortune in election years. I really think this is the way that we can, I think we can break out, guys. I think it's our, it's our time. We have to redirect our energies so Kirsten Gillibrand is out, which does raise the question, if a Gillibrand drops out in the forest, does it make a sound? No, I mean, really, did anyone care that Kirsten Gillibrand dropped out? I'm, I'm frankly amused that she ever thought that she was going to be a thing. So is President Trump, by the way. This is where President Trump is at his best. Dude is such a troll, and it's pretty epic. <laughs> He's so cruel. He's such a cruel man. President, <laughs> he, he tweeted out, a sad day for the Democrats. Kirsten Gillibrand has dropped out of the presidential primary. I'm glad they never found out. She was the one I was really afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a mean, mean man. That is a mean man right there. So Kirsten Gillibrand is out. The real question right now is who's going to pick up her 0.2% support? Who's going to pick that up? I mean, that is a crowd that is waiting, ready to go. So who else is going to be out in short? I assume that Bill de Blasio at some point will drop out and go back to being a crap mayor of New York where he's busy ruining the school system. I assume that he'll be out pretty soon. There are some candidates who the DNC would like to force out, Tulsi Gabbard, will not be included in the third Democratic debate. We now have a list of all of the front runners on the same stage, which means really what everybody is looking forward to. And I say looking forward to, I mean dreading. Elizabeth Warren versus Joe Biden, which will be an octogenarian quasi-moderate versus a septuagenarian socialist. So that'll be exciting stuff. And Bernie Sanders in the middle just going, I want pudding. Give me my pudding now. And Elizabeth Warren being like, I have a plan to give you pudding. And Joe Biden going, what's pudding? And can I have some? It'll be a real, uh, looking forward to it, guys. I cannot wait to cover the September 12th debate. God, it's a good thing they pay me a lot of money to do this show, guys, because my God, if they weren't compensating me, you really think I'd watch that stuff? Really? We'll get to more on the Democratic presidential race. But first, The Daily Wire has now turned four years old. As a thank you to our fans, we are giving away one month of our premium monthly subscription to anyone who uses the code BIRTHDAY. Ooh. For all of August, as we celebrate this milestone, we've been giving away a free first month for new premium monthly subscribers. Again, just use the code BIRTHDAY. Time is quickly running out. There are only two days left to get this deal, so subscribe today and come join the fun. Also, $9.99 a month. 99 bucks a year. That gets you the subscription. You should get the annual because not only is it cheaper, also you get this, the leftist tears, hot or cold tumbler. 
magnificent. You could be holding it in your hand right now if you had made this decision just a couple of weeks ago. So go check it out right now. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So in the near future, we are going to see a bevy of dropouts. I assume Michael Bennett, Steve Bullock, Bill de Blasio, John Delaney, Gillibrand's already out, Tim Ryan, Joe Sistak, Tom Steyer, Marianne Williamson. I, honestly, I'm sad to see Marianne Williamson go, but the good news is she lives on on the astral plane. So that'll be, that, that's good for her. Does she really care? I mean, she's already empress of the universe. Does she really have to be the president of the United States? In any case, the, the people on the stage will be Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, who's mainly going to spend the entire night looking over her shoulder to make sure that Tulsi Gabbard doesn't leap from the wings and tackle her. Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who will receive outsized media attention for being a mediocre candidate in terms of polling. Beto is still hanging around. My goodness. No, no one you should exit, my friend. Beto. Cory Booker, who will certainly bring his angry eyes and desperately seek attention. Amy Klobuchar, my boy Andrew Yang, and former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Julian Castro, those will be the people on the stage in the next debate. Very, very exciting stuff. Meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to lead in the polls, but also be a terrible candidate, which tells you how strong this Democratic field truly is. So Joe Biden in the current round of polling, he's still up by a significant percentage. The, the polls actually have him rising just a little bit in the last couple of days. There's an Economist YouGov poll that has him at 25 and Elizabeth Warren at 21. But there's an Emerson poll that has him at 31 and Bernie Sanders at 24. Quinnipiac has him at 32. The Hill has him at 30. USA Today has him at 32. And Politico has him at 33. So those are all within the last three, four days. The Monmouth poll that had him down at 19 is a real outlier here. He's basically between 29 and 32. That seems to be the consensus of the polling right now. Elizabeth Warren is stuck down around 16%, 15% maybe. Bernie Sanders is up somewhere between 15 and 17%. So Biden still has this solid lead. And again, that's because I think most Democrats are smart enough to recognize that if they run a crazy person, better to run an old doddering doofus than to run a total crazy person. By the way, they're right. I mean, the Democratic base that is voting for Biden, that is correct. But Joe Biden also is going to provide some rich fodder for President Trump because Biden is real bad at this. I mean, he gaffed, I think, three times yesterday, three times. So here is Joe Biden going out of his way to praise Fritz Hollings, a, a former segregationist senator, because he didn't learn last time that was a bad idea. Folks, you know, uh, I, uh, I spent an awful lot of time in South Carolina uh, because of my good friend, and he was my great, great friend, and helped me a great deal through some very difficult times, uh, um, Fritz Hollings uh, and P.T. Hollings. And uh, I miss it. Okay, so problem Fritz Hollings has a bit of a checkered history. Watch for angry eyes, Cory Booker, to go after him. On that, also, Biden seems to forget who Barack Obama was, which is not great. I mean, your entire pitch is that you were his VP, so you probably should like know who was the president. Here's here's Joe Biden appearing to momentarily forget who was president when he was actually vice president of America. Because they invaded another country and annexed a significant portion of it called Crimea. Right. He's saying that it was president. My boss is his fault. Um, yeah, the president, and then he sort of breaks. Yeah, that guy, you remember him? I, I don't. Said so <laughs> awkward. And then finally, Joe Biden tries to explain that Japan is doing a wonderful job of getting women into the workforce because they're racist. Now, really, this is what he said. Japan is in a position where traditionally women are as well educated as men, but the tradition was once they had a child, they were to drop out of the job market. 
Well, I spent a lot of time with President Abe as vice president. And guess what? There's a call Abe, Abe Economics, they're talking about it, they're, they're calling it. And that is there's an entire move because they are xenophobic, because they don't want to invite other people from outside their country to come in and make up the workforce. They have fewer workers than they have a need for workers. And so what they've done is they've decided to encourage women to stay in the job market. So he's doing a couple of things here that are pretty gaffy. One, calling the Japanese xenophobic not a great way of building an alliance. Number two, is he making the case that we ought to heavily restrict immigration to the United States so that there are more jobs available for women in the American job market? Because uh, it sounds like that's what he's doing right there, which, by the way, is kind of what Stephen Miller wants. So awkwardness for Joe Biden. This is a very weak field. It's a very weak field. And that's why the media are so all in on Elizabeth Warren. At least she flatters their sense of self. At least like, oh, well, she taught at Harvard. She's so smart. And because it, 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 for the same reason that everybody bought a copy of Dom DeLillo's books so that they could put it on their shelf, never read it, and point it, point it out to their friends and be like, oh, look how smart I am. I have this guy's book on my shelf. I have no idea what it meant, but sure. It's like, oh, what's your favorite? Oh, Gravity's Rainbow by Thomas Pynchon. Love it. Love it. Nobody's ever read Gravity's Rainbow, by the way. Unreadable. Crying Vlad 49, good. Gravity's Rainbow, not good. In any case, I know, unpopular opinions. That's what I do here. But that is what Elizabeth Warren is to the media. To the media, she's the object you put on the shelf to prove to all your friends that you're really super smart because you like Elizabeth Warren. That's what they are going for. The fact that Joe Biden continues to lead and the guy can't string together a sentence looks like he is, going, looks like he is constantly on, on a heavy dose of Robitussin. That's not a great look for your presidential front runner. Okay, meanwhile, the good news is that if the older generation of Democrats seems to be fading, there's a new young generation of Democrats who are brilliant and wise. And oh no, AOC is leading this thing, isn't she? So AOC... The irrepressible, the brilliant. She was doing what she loves to do, Instagram videos. Yeah, man, she knows Instagram like the back of her hand. She is an Instagram video expert. So she did an Instagram video a couple of days ago, and she was asked about the new generation, millennials and Gen Zers. And here is her explaining that, in fact, young people are supremely wise and knowledgeable, which is true if you hit your head really hard on the toilet and are about to invent the flux capacitor. I think young people are more informed and dynamic than, than their predecessors. They actually take time to read and understand our history, the history of the labor movement, history of civil rights, history of racial struggles, history of economics, history of the United States, history of colonialism. Um, and they're not afraid to have those conversations. If anything, like I think they're profoundly courageous because they're willing to puncture taboos and conversate and have conversations that frankly older generations sometimes struggle to have nothing self-flattering like basically categorizing yourself in a group of people who are wise brilliant and, and self and visionary i mean that just just well done aoc there's only one problem with this which is that young people are disproportionately dramatically ignorant about american history and it's that ignorance about american history which helps contribute to the woke sensibility that american history is a long list of sins with no wins and that America is rooted and steeped in evil. And when she says that American young, young students, that they know more about American history than their predecessors, absolute crap. There's not a single statistic that shows that young Americans know more about American history than people who are older than they are. Not one. If you can show it to me, I'm happy to look at it. Let me take an example. So back in November, there was a YouGov poll. It asked more than 1,000 people aged 14 and up 
about their knowledge of the country's history and institutions, and also about their patriotic feelings toward the United States. Basically, it found that younger generations are less likely to love and respect their country. Okay, now, maybe you would think, well, the reason is because they know more about the sins. They know more about slavery and Jim Crow than the people who actually lived through Jim Crow or the people who actually studied slavery, but sure. Maybe, maybe they're just, they're super knowledgeable and having seen the sins of the past in all of their stark relief, they've decided that America is not that great a place. Well, there's only one problem with that, which is that they don't know crap. Okay, it turns out that young people don't know American history. The same survey found that 87% of high school students flunked a five-question test of basic knowledge about American history that is the worst of any age group. High school students didn't know who was on Mount Rushmore. Only 35% of high school students could name the, the presidents on Mount Rushmore. First of all, as we'll see, watch North by Northwest. Second, 71% of boomers knew the answer. Only 11% could name the rights enumerated in the First Amendment. More than half of high schoolers believed that Barack Obama was a more consequential president than George Washington. So in other words, no, this is stupid. And it is that ignorance of American history that leads so many young people to believe that America sucks, which also leads them to support people like AOC. 60% of millennials in this poll said, uh, that, said that America was sexist. This despite the fact that women constitute the majority of college graduates. This despite the fact that in America's major cities, women who are coming straight out of college with no kids and no husband, so they are comparable to single men, make more than single men do in the same job markets. 63% of millennials say that America is racist. More than half of college-aged Gen Zers said this about the United States. Baby boomers say 46% say the country is sexist. 42% say the country is racist. Most ignorantly, half of college-aged Generation Zers, this is according to Investors Business Daily, think America is more racist than other countries, which is patently insane. If you want to make the case that America has a racism problem, you can make that case. If you want to make the case that America is more racist than other countries, visit another country. Only 29% of boomers felt that. So in other words, the more ignorant you are about American history and about America, the worse you think about America. But according to AOC, millennials and Gen Zers, she's going to flatter them into a Senate seat, basically. She's, she's going to tell them that really their, their dislike for America, their love for socialism, the fact they don't know what socialism is, the fact that they can't name the date that slavery ended in the United States, the fact that they probably don't know what Jim Crow was, the fact they don't know anything about the United States, that's actually a sign of their bravery. They're so brave. You see, they're facing up to the, this is, this is so much of the masturbatory left. I mean, it really is insane. Okay, the, the left spends so much time patting themselves on the back for calling everybody else terrible. Truly, it's, it's an incredible thing. You know, one of the things that you are taught as a child, when you're a good child, is you are taught not to put other people down to feel better about yourself. In fact, this is one of the things the left hates about President Trump, right? Is that President Trump is a put-down artist. He's fantastic at it. He's an insult comic, and they don't like it. But when it comes to the left, the entire left worldview is rooted in this idea that everybody who is not on the left is morally inferior, has a lack of character, is a racist, sexist, bigot, homophobe. And then they're like, yeah, well, you know, I've examined my country. I'm a world citizen because America is terrible. So, but, you know, I'm brave because I've faced up to the fact that America is terrible. No, that's not bravery. Okay, you saying everybody else sucks is not bravery. You separating yourself off from your country and then suggesting false things about your country that is not bravery, that is cowardice. You accepting something about yourself might be a form of bravery, except that when people do this, they're really not accepting anything about themselves. When people say, yes, I am a beneficiary of white privilege, what they are really doing, and we all know it on an emotional level, is they're not saying, 
And now how can I help rectify that? What they're saying is, please leave me alone. Please stop clubbing me. If I acknowledge my white privilege, can I just be part of your club? Can I come to the parties now? That's what's happening on college campuses. It is not some deep self-examination of the history of slavery and Jim Crow in America. And it is certainly not a deep, deep examination of the problems endemic to the United States right now that result in continuing inequality from this point forward. It's the, it's the highest form of intellectual laziness and self-satisfied smug garbage. It's ridiculous. They tell you a little story, millennials and Gen Zers. You're not smarter than Thomas Jefferson. You're not more moral than George Washington. If you had lived back then, I don't know what you would have been. You don't either. You pretending that you know, you know more about American history than past generations, that you're wiser because you know how to type buttons into an internet machine. Ooh, you're typing. Well, that means you're smart now. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It means you have more information at your fingertips and less in your brain than ever before. This is why I think it's important for people to read. It's, it's just, it's incredible. Okay, meanwhile, I will also point out that this is the same generation, the wise, great generation, that increasingly believes in astrology, tarot, and psychedelics. There's an article in the New York Times today all about how clinical psych- psychologists are now having to become familiar with the idiot pagan sophistry of astrology. Jonathan Kaplan, a clinical psychologist in New York, recently noticed that more and more of his clients are referring to Mercury being in retrograde. Oh, my God. He said, I'm not familiar with cosmic cycles. His specialty is cognitive behavioral therapy. He says, nor do I try to be. But I want to understand what that means to a person and how that influences their understanding of the world. Alternative treatments, rituals, and metaphysical organizing principles loom large in in popular culture. Yes, the same generation that suggests that a baby is not a baby in the womb. And that's science, folks. The same generation that says that male and female don't exist. A male can turn into a female. A female can turn into a male. Like the Sneetches with the star on, star off machine in Dr. Seuss. Those same people are like, yeah, that's science right there. That's science. You know what else is science? Crystals. Crystals, baby. Sound baths, another form of energy medicine are appearing not only in healing centers, but in hospitals. People are putting their trust and their money into these practices, which they view as pathways to enlightenment. By the way, would love to see the Venn diagram of people who believe in healing crystals and believe in astrology and the support base for AOC. Would love to see that Venn diagram. What is this? Apparently, the Pew Research Center survey reports that roughly half of Americans have dabbled in alternative medicine. That's mostly going to be marijuana. And apparently, the people who are doing this are disproportionately young and female. That's according to the New York Times. That is the smart generation AOC is talking. So wise, so brilliant. Yes, I, I, I think that we should totally take the AOC generation seriously, more seriously than, than Joe Biden. Meanwhile, if that weren't enough, AOC is scaremongering on global warming. The left has this tendency to try and scare the living crap out of you by citing outlying black swan possibilities about global warming. Instead of actually trying to measure the economic cost of global warming over the course of the century, instead what they do is they try to scare you with science fiction stories straight out of 1960s Twilight Zone episodes. Here's AOC doing that on Instagram. I mean, how's this lady in Congress? My God. There are a lot of diseases that are frozen in some of these glaciers um, that scientists fear that there's a potential that a lot of diseases could... Um, escape these melted glaciers, things that were frozen for thousands of years, and that they're going to get into our water and that humans could contract them. And they are going to be diseases that are thousands of years old, that have vectors that we are not prepared for, that we have never seen. Um, 
And so, you know, that's a concern. Okay, if you're making policy off of here's some crazy crap that could happen, an alien could land tomorrow, could blow up the White House, and then might have to fight Jeff Goldblum for supremacy of the earth. Right? If, that, if, that's your, if that's your case for us spending $16 trillion on like Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, sorry, that's not a real case. You could actually make an economic argument for why global warming ought to be fought and how it ought to be fought and what kind of money we should spend on it and whether those methods ought to be adaptive or whether we ought to be looking at mitigation, what kind of technologies we should pursue. Or you could be like AOC and simply suggest that a giant turtle is going to squish the earth unless we destroy the capitalist economy of the world. It's incredible. But don't worry, the young generation of Democrats, not scary in the slightest. Everything is going to be fine, guys. It's all going to be fine. It's not. We're all in trouble here. Okay, time for a quick thing I like and then a thing that I hate. So when we are talking to young people about the presidents on Mount Rushmore, you could just teach them or you could show them North by Northwest by Alfred Hitchcock. Right there on the poster, you can see who that is, right? It's George Washington, very, very evil man. Thomas Jefferson, a super, super evil man. Teddy Roosevelt, a super duper evil man. And Abraham Lincoln, only like a half evil man, according to the left. So the, the movie is North by Northwest by Alfred Hitchcock. I, I think this is probably Hitchcock's best film his most entertaining film. I've been rewatching old Hitchcock films with my wife because I, I was trying to figure whether I had underestimated Hitchcock. I once famously wrote a column in which I did my 10 most overrated movie directors. Everybody hated this column because I had put Hitchcock at number one. It's not to say Hitchcock is bad. He's not, he's good. But I thought Hitchcock overrated. Other people on the list included Ridley Scott and uh, David Lean. So I made myself popular with everybody. But in any case, North by Northwest is actually a good, entertaining movie and uh, well worth the watch. So here's a little bit of the preview. I'm an advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders dependent upon me. And I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed. Cary Grant becomes a secret agent against his will. Propelled at gunpoint onto the highest level of international intrigue and framed for murder. Cary Grant, running for his life, searching for a man who doesn't exist, and a secret nobody knows, and finding a blonde who has all the answers. Hello there. Tell me, why are you so good to me? Shall I climb up and tell you why? I mean, the, the movie is, is, is a lot of fun. Uh, Cary Grant also, like, really just, when you talk about movie stars, Cary Grant is sort of the epitome of a movie star. He's great in so many films, and this film is, is, I think, Hitchcock's best. And I'm saying that after having watched Vertigo last night, which also is a good movie, but is, is quite slow. Okay, time for a couple of things that I hate. Okay, so I do not understand this policy decision by the Trump administration. I really don't. I've been trying to find what the other side of the argument would look like here, and I'm, I'm having a hard time figuring it out. So if somebody wants to illuminate me on it, you can email me, but I'm having a hard time. The Trump administration is now pushing forward a policy that suggests that children born abroad to certain U.S. service members and other federal employees will no longer be granted automatic citizenship under a Trump administration policy set to take effect in October. This is according to The New York Times. Parents of those children, including those born on military bases, will have to apply for citizenship on the child's behalf before they turn 18, according to the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services policy released on Wednesday. The policy appears to be aimed at military families who have not lived in the U.S., for years, according to the immigration agency, the change would not affect the children of families with at least one parent who's an American citizen and has lived in the United States for at least five years. So presumably, if you sign up for the military and then you join, a, you're an illegal immigrant, you sign up for the military. We have a program in the United States where you get citizenship and then you are immediately stationed abroad and you have a kid there. Your kid's not a citizen. That doesn't make any sense to me. Basic rule of thumb should be this. 
You're a military member. You're serving abroad. You have a baby. Baby's a citizen. It seems very, very easy. Those members of the military are doing a hell of a lot more than I am. They're doing a hell of a lot more than I would suggest statistically most of the people in our audience are doing. Why their kids should not be American citizens is simply bewildering to me. I do not understand the logic of any of this. A spokeswoman for the Pentagon said the impact would be small without specifying how many parents would be required to apply for citizenship for their children under the change. A spokeswoman for the Citizenship and Immigration Agency also declined to provide the number of families who would be effective. affected. The policy change from the agency infuriates a lot of people at the Pentagon, confused others in the military, in the military community. Ken Cuccinelli, who's the agency's acting director, issued a statement contrasting the new policy and birthright citizenship, which grants citizenship to any baby born on U.S. soil. He said this policy update does not affect anyone who is born a U.S. citizen, period. This only affects children who are born outside the U.S. and were not U.S. citizens. So I'm not sure what that even means. This policy should be clarified forthwith because it does not make a hell of a lot of sense. Okay, other things that I hate today. So for years and years and years, people have ignored the fact that a lot of unions have serious corruption issues, particularly at the top level. Unions are given special government guarantees that allow them to basically keep out scabs, other members of the workforce who don't want to unionize in particular industries. This is particularly true in the auto industry, for example. And not shockingly, when you centralize power in a union, that does grant the capacity for members of the top members of the union to engage in all sorts of corruption, which is why for many, many years in the United States, unions had significant ties to the mafia. Well, now there's a story that really should devastate union members who want to be members of a union, who want to pay their dues into an honest union. It's a bad story. This is from the New York Times. Federal agents on Wednesday raided the home of the president of the UAW in the midst of a widening investigation of financial wrongdoing by union and management officials. Agents executed search warrants at a 1,000-acre UAW resort in Michigan and other locations. The investigation has uncovered the improper use of millions of dollars of funds, some of it earmarked for training union members, and bribery of union officials by auto executives. In some cases, the funds were spent on personal travel and purchases of Rolex watches and other high-priced items. Eight people, including three former Fiat Chrysler executives, have been sentenced in the case. Another defendant, Michael Grimes, former senior UAW official, faces federal conspiracy charges. This is really ugly stuff. Management bribing UAW officials, UAW officials taking the money, all under the auspices of a government trying to supposedly help workers by keeping out other workers from a particular industry who don't want to unionize. Free market and labor, treating people as individuals generally is going to be better for individuals, which is why the private, private union membership in the United States has dropped from well over a majority in the 1950s all the way down to single digits in the United States today. All righty, we'll be back here a little bit later today for two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer, Jeremy Boring, senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera, production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. 
Hey everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. Turns out former FBI Director James Comey lied before Congress when he said he was not a weasel. He is a weasel. Weasel, weasel, weasel. We'll call him a weasel some more on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.